leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. The ability to print human tissue is changing the way drug research is conducted today and opens the possibility of one-day printing replacement organs with the technology. Selling saw an opportunity in making bioinks and started to produce a line of lower-priced printers as well in the hopes of expanding the market by lowering the cost of the technology. We spoke to Eric Gattenholm, CEO and co-founder of Cellink, about the technology, how it's being used today, and how he expects applications for it to evolve. Eric, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's an honor to be on here. We're going to talk about selling, bioprinting, and the way this technology is being used today, and, and what may be ahead in the future. For listeners not familiar with selling, perhaps you can... Give a brief overview of the company and how it came about. Sure, absolutely. So, um, so Cellink is a three bioprinting company, and uh, we consider uh, consider ourselves one of the leading companies out there. Um, we started by being the first bio ink company in the world, and what that means is it's a biomaterial or a material that can be used to print human tissues and organs. So it's a, it's pretty cool and innovative technologies, um, and this entire field, which is the field of 3D bioprinting, came about essentially when scientists realized that they could print uh, different human tissues using a regular 3D printer, or not regular, it's essentially a modified 3D printer that we call a bioprinter. When we talk about bioprinting, what does it actually involve? That's, that's a great question. So, so bioprinting involves, uh, it, it, it requires essentially four components. And, and the first component is a bioprinter. Um, the second one is a bioink. The third component is, uh, are the human cells. And the last component is the, uh, the blueprint, uh, the drawing, uh, that, that you want to print. So for instance, if you want to print a human ear or a human nose or liver tissue, you need to have a very specific drawing of it. Um, and when you combine all those those components and the parts, that's when the beauty comes in and you, you're enabled to, to dispense and place your human cells in the right configuration. So, uh, and, and when we explain this technology to people, it's, it's of course, it's, it's really exciting and, and um, often people say we're geniuses, but, but honestly, we're, we're not, 
completely geniuses. What I, what I think is that um, what we've managed to do and what we've realized uh, and the technology that we've developed is actually, it's, it's quite simple to explain, and I'll explain it to you. Um, what we do is that we take human cells. And human cells, they live in a certain environment. They live in a, they live inside the body. They, they have a certain temperature around them. They have certain fibers around them. There are nutrients. Uh, they're exposed to, to different, either hard or, or soft environments. There's compression, et cetera, et cetera. And when these cells are, are living inside of the body, they're multiplying and they're doing, they're doing their thing. And, Essentially, what bioprinting enables is that we can replicate that human environment outside of the body. So when we take these human cells and place them inside of our bio-ink, which is the material, uh, they feel at home. So the cells will do exactly what they're intended to do, uh, except for that they're outside the body. And... Um, so, so, so it's, it is quite amazing, but it's, but it's also uh, quite self-explanatory. Selling talks about itself as a bio-ink company. I, I imagine bio-inks don't have value without bio-printers, and, and you also make printers. Why do you call yourself a bio-ink company? So, so we started as a bio-ink company, but, but now we've become the leading bio-printing or bio-printing technology provider. And when, when I started this company, we were, we were focusing on the inks. Because we saw that a lot of printer companies were, were popping up everywhere, but nobody was focusing on the ink. And to me, it was just clear that we need to enter the market and provide a standardized material that scientists can easily print with. And they can get started with their bioprinting experiments within minutes. But, but also when we, when we did approach the market and when we came out and commercialized our, our, our bioinks and materials, we realize that the printers out there are so expensive that the market for inks is quite limited. And uh, to to be able to expand and allow anyone around the world to use this fantastic technology, the prices for the printers have to drop dramatically. And that's, that's when we decided to develop our own very cost-effective printer platform. Does this also reflect a kind of razor and razor blade business model? I think anyone who has an inkjet printer knows they're spending a hell of a lot more for the inks than they did on the printer. Is that the case here? It is. So that's that's the that was the that was the big idea. Like the uh, the moment when we realized that that's a sustainable business model where we where we offer a very cost effective printer to scientists no matter where they are. Uh, and, and today we supply researchers in more than 50 countries. And we're only about two and a half years old. Um, can your so bio-inks bio be used on other printers? They can. They can. So, so it's quite universal. Um, but, of course, the performance is always best with our systems because we, we can guarantee certain things and we can ensure that, you know, the cells, when they're printed, you have, you have a certain... Uh, cell viability and, and, and you, you get the right results. In this field, it's, it's very result based. And, and when, you know, when setting up these experiments and when, when printing different tissues, it's very important that the, that the scientist has the, the right tools. And, and sometimes, um, you know, mixing and matching can be, can be challenging because it's, it's support from two companies and they might not be compatible at all times. 
What does a, a bio-ink actually consist of? That's a really good question. And, as, uh, and if you remember, I mentioned that we were trying to create a, a humane or a human environment outside of the body. So, so what we do is that we look at the human tissue under microscope, and we, we analyze it, we do different chemical analysis on it, and we realize kind of how the tissue is built up. We look at, you know, what is the fiber length of the collagen? What is the, how stiff it is, is it, or how elastic is it? And, and then we look into the nature, and we try to bring in materials that can replicate that environment. So, for instance, one of our inks is actually made out of out of cellulose from the forest, and another one is made out of alginate from the ocean. Um, a third one is made out of collagen from um, uh, from rats, from rat tails, and it's uh, it's it's a it's a wide a very wide variety of of materials that can be utilized to to create this this human environment. Who's the customer today? What's the range of things you're able to do with your your bioinks and bioprinters? Yes, yeah, so, so the uh, the customers are anybody from Harvard, MIT, um, institutions that are truly leading the uh, this research field, but but also customers from from as I mentioned, fifty fifty plus countries where where they want to get into this exciting area and, and say, hey, this, this is really the future of medicine. We, we can utilize this technology for so many different areas. And that can range anywhere from biology uh, to studying new biomaterials or, or study 3D printing with, with silicones or um, and many other customers are also cosmetic companies as well as pharmaceutical companies. And these these companies, they utilize this technology already to develop their products. So, for instance, in Europe, uh, back in 2013, the European Union banned the use of animals for, for development of, of cosmetic products. And, you know, instead of, instead of testing your cosmetic product on animals, we can, we can offer a platform where they can print human skin tissue and they can print and they can test those cosmetic products on that tissue instead. So, how does the bioprinting actually work? I, I, I take it you're creating a three-dimensional structure when you're doing this. Yes. So, so, so what you're doing is that first of all, you're placing your um, you're placing yourself inside of the ink cartridge, and in the ink cartridge, you have the, the biomaterial, um, and and then in that mixture. You know, the, the cells are living, they're, they're thriving, and, and, uh, next thing you do is you put this, this cartridge of activated bioink. We call it activated because it now has human cells in it. It's, it's ready to be printed. So you put it into the printer, you upload your, um, your, uh, your model, a CAD file, or an STL file, which is, it's essentially a 3D model, um, and then you, you press print. And then the printer starts dispensing this this biomaterial with the cells embedded and places it in the right place. So it's very important to it's very important for placement and the correct cell type and material um, in the correct layer. So so our our BioX printer, for instance, it has three different heads, and uh, by by offering three different heads, the the scientists can print up to three different materials or three different cell types, uh, which which enables more sophisticated bioprinting. 
And what's the competitive landscape today? What what differentiates your offerings from others on the market? That's and that's a great question. So uh, we were not the first in in this field. I mean, this field's been around for about twenty years. Uh, but what we offered was the combination and the and the package. So since we started with the inks, uh, we came from a side we understood what the researchers and the customer needed to be able to print their inks or, or print our inks in their labs. And from that point of view, we knew exactly how the printer had to look and how the printer had to behave. And and from that we. We started combining them and, and, and offering packages. So, for instance, if you want to print skin, well, then we have this printer. It has a special nozzle. It has a special print head and a special ink and these specific cell types. So we're kind of a you know a complete package solution company, and and that's extremely unique in this area because the other companies out on the market they're they're such they're offering the printers. They're only hardware companies, and and Sometimes just as being a hardware company, it's, it's difficult to see the need from a from a biomaterial perspective and understanding exactly the properties that the biomaterial needs when when it's printed. Where is the technology having an impact today, and, and where is it creating value? Is this essentially a a, a tool that has value today as a, a preclinical research tool, a way to screen drugs? Yes, so it's, it's definitely a preclinical uh, research tool. Uh, most academic users, they use it for, for printing, uh, more sophisticated tissue models that can, that can, in, in which they can study biology in a completely new manner. Um, for the corporate customers and, and, and the companies that we work with, uh, for instance, we just signed a deal with Medimmune, uh, Medimmune Pharmaceuticals out in, in, in Maryland. Um, and, and under that partnership, we intend to, uh, use our technology to different issues that they can utilize to develop new drugs. Um, so it's a, it definitely has a, a big purpose and a value for pharma companies as well as cosmetic companies as it, as it's a provider of tissue, human tissue that can be utilized for, for drug discovery and toxicology testing. Um, but it's also very exploratory at this stage. And, and of course we, People are always wondering, and 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 these are the questions that come up. You know, how far away are we from uh, from printing fully functional organs or fully functional tissue that can be utilized for implantation? And and it's a difficult question to answer because we we don't know. It's an early it's an early industry. It's a very early stage, and we're working diligently with our partners and customers to to expand this field. But there's there's still ways to go. And. Are there regulatory barriers to contend with? Are, are there applications that you need to validate this technology for? Yeah, the, the, so the regulatory we're, we're still in a in an okay um, area because the we're not using this for any clinical use. Um, it's, it's still in preclinical stages, and and I think what's most important right now is to validate the technology. And, and I think that's what most of the companies in this field are doing, whether they are our customers or our, our, uh, our partners or no matter which side of that spectrum, they, uh, they're working heavily with proving in the, both in the scientific community as well as for 
for their applications that uh, this technology is validated. And and that takes time. That's just something that 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 needs to take its time because it's it's about showing mature maturation of the of the tissues that are printed, making sure that the cells are are behaving in, in the way that we expect them to behave, and testing that over long periods of time. How about down the road? Are there clinical applications? Can you use this potentially for precision medicine applications to test drugs for individual patients? Can you print replacement skin for skin grafts? Any actual ability to replace organs? What are the types of applications you're envisioning long term? So for uh, for long term, we 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 see our our markets being split into um, essentially four separate segments. Um, the first segment is the academic users and and the customers that were that we've been focusing heavily on in the last last two years, um, and of course, continue to support very heavily. Um, and, and within this field, it's extremely exploratory. It's, it's trying out the waters, you know, making sure that the, uh, the technology is, is, is being adopted by these, these researchers and, and, and printing a wide range of tissues. So focusing anywhere from printing uh, human retinas or, or, uh, um, or corneas to printing um, the lining of a stomach or or heart tissue, so so very very wide um, wide interest areas. The second uh, the second segment is cosmetics, uh, the cosmetic companies. So so focusing on providing a skin technology platform that enables these cosmetic companies to test their their products on on printed tissue instead of, of on on animals, and that's that's a pretty big market, and and, and that market is a little bit ahead of us, but, but we're already getting into it. Uh, the third, the third segment is pharmaceutical industry. And, and that's, we are, we recently acquired a company in Germany, actually. Uh, they're called the Spendix. Uh, they're offering this very, very specific printer that can, that can print very, very small volumes and actually even print single cells, so single human cells. Um, and that's a really interesting area for pharma companies to get into. Uh, so with that acquisition, we've, we've, um, kind of refocused our target on the, on the pharma customers. And then lastly is, of course, the, the, um, printing of functional tissue for implantation. And that's, you know, that's 20 to 30 years away. And, uh, it, but it's, but it's very exciting. It's, it's something that we see is, is ahead of us. And it's something that we're, we're passionately burning for. Uh, but there, there's a lot of work that needs to be done before we can, you know, guarantee any, any tissue for implantation. And what do you think is the biggest barrier to really igniting the potential of this technology today? Um, I, I think the biggest barrier will, will be, uh, regulatory. How do we, you know, how do we approach this, approach this from a regulatory perspective? How do we, um, control it? How do we make sure that, you know, it's, it's, it's safe and ready for implantation once we're in that stage. I think for now, uh, you know, the, the, the major challenge we're having is just finding enough people to work. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, we're recruiting so quickly, so heavily, and, and, and a challenge for us has really been to, to, uh, recruit fast enough where we're always hiring. Eric Gattenholm, CEO and co-founder of Selling. Eric, thanks so much for your time today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. 
Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.